Or like I've mentioned Palm Springs before. That's a small town vibe. It, it would be quiet around there for sure. Other than the sounds of gay men fucking, because that's basically... <laughs> <laughs> but that's not a bad sound to hear, right? I mean, we could start a commune out there. I uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Even with the sounds of the gay men fucking, that's fine. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. We've been off for a couple of weeks. We missed everybody, but it's good to be back. And our social media manager, Chloe, actually, I wanted to talk about this. In our absence, posted Millennial mood boards. Did you two see this? I did. I did. Thank you for tagging me, by the way. I might have missed it. <laughs> I was like, look at these nice comments about Pam in here. I got to make sure she I sees know, this. I was blushing. The listeners are going to be heartbroken. <laughs> well, anyway, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because each mood board, I, I think everybody can imagine it. It shows things that we're each into. So it's so Chloe wrote like tag yourself. Which which of us do you uh, feel most represented by? And Pam, I have to say, I feel like most people are connecting with yours. I'm probably just the most basic. Like, no offense to anyone who's resonating with my board, but... Pam, (laughs) I resonated with your board, and it wasn't even mine. Oh, thank you. (laughs) No, I I really appreciated knowing that, like, so many people were into the same things that I'm into. Yeah. Somebody was like, can I be friends with Pam or something? I think that was the really sweet comment. Of course. I thought we were all already friends. We are. (laughs) That was fun. Thank you for creating that, Chloe. And uh, three big deaths we thought we should note at the top of the show in uh, the couple weeks that we've been off. First of all, Bob Barker, legendary host of The Price is Right. All three of us watched Price is Right growing up, I think. Maybe still today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because we were just talking about Price is Right in hashing it out. Yeah, right. And like uh, right before this happened, I that's the first thing I thought of. And my recommendation a couple weeks ago was Pluto TV, in part because they have a channel dedicated to airing Bob Barker episodes of The Price is Right. And I love it because you can watch an episode from like 1978 and it's so fun to see what they're giving away. And there was less commercials airing in the hour. So like Bob is just like shooting the shit with people in the audience so check that out if if anybody's missing bob barker wants to look back on his legacy but i like you two grew up watching the price is right i think we really associate price is right with sick days staying home from school because that's when it would air yeah, and you really 100%. wouldn't record it unless you were a super fan i had the pleasure of going to the price is right studio of course this is when drew carey took over i actually i pulled my name tag out i found it um a couple weeks ago because they're moving studios and this got me thinking about the name tag. By the way, I still have my ex, my ex's name tag, Matt, who used to be on the show too. And part of me wants to text him and be like, hey, you want your old name tag? But I would be, I know he would say no. And then I would be so hurt that he doesn't want his name tag. It's fine. Now you have a matching set. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't hurt your own feelings, Andrew. As long as Pat's not pressed about it. Yeah, just keep it. What if I, I should tell Pat to wear Matt's? <laughs> oh, no, we could just like, we can cross out one T yeah. and write a P. But that feels 
Oh, that's true. That feels mean. I feel like I'm, <laughs> feel like I'm disturbing something sacred. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, Bob Barker, he was such a smooth host. I mean, he really was locked in on every episode. And I, I'm remembering this watching his old episodes on, on Pluto TV. Yeah. He was also, I mean, like clearly continued working even after he retired. I, I know that anybody that watched How I Met Your Mother might remember that there was like a huge storyline yep. with Bob Barker on there too, where he was, uh, presumably Barney's dad. So that was a really fun little cameo if you were into that show as well. Yeah, and then the the two other deaths recently, Laura, you want to touch on this? Yeah, so Jimmy Buffett uh, passed over the weekend and Steve Harwell, the lead singer of Smash Mouth, also passed not long after Jimmy Buffett passed. So it has just been a pretty big week for celebrity deaths. Um I have to say, growing up in the South, it was hard not to have a Jimmy Buffett song get stuck in your head at some point during the summer. And he was, you know, a super talented musician, really good to his fans. And I was shocked to see it. It, I hadn't thought about Jimmy Buffett in a long time, but just like, you know, some of these other fixtures of music history, you never really think about the reality that that person's going to die one day. Um, So that was I mean, Pina Coladas, I think that even if people don't know the name Jimmy Buffett, they probably know the Pina Colada song. Yeah. yeah. Or like Margaritaville. Margaritaville, that's a big one too. (laughs) Yeah. And like that is like transcended the song, right? Wasting away in Margaritaville. Now he has Margaritaville Resorts, which I heard that they were flying the flag half mast oh, when the news yeah, came down. Which is really nice. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, yeah. And then also Steve Harwell. I mean, who doesn't think of childhood when you think of All Star? That hundred percent. And I mean, you think about Shrek. I always think about Shrek. First yep, that's what I was just thinking too. That song. Um, so just really sad all around. Yeah. Yeah. He was so young. Yeah. Too. Yeah, he was. He did sort of have a second coming on the internet. I don't know if you guys have seen his tweets, but he was doing some really fired tweets about making sure if you get oral from your girl, you reciprocate. Did you see those? <laughs> no, but um, I kind of love that yeah. for him. <laughs> Yeah. All I knew was that, like, you know, he had a a, a second coming because of Shrek. Yeah. You know? Well, that yeah. okay. So maybe Shrek that was the third this... coming. The make sure you're eating that punani. <laughs> the third coming. Either yeah. way, he was clearly coming. And you know, <laughs> oh, I was going to make sure he's making sure somebody's coming. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we stand reciprocity here yeah, on the show. A hundred percent. We really do in, in all forms. Uh, there was a tweet convo. So this is what I was talking about. This is from 2017. Somebody tweeted. Somebody tweeted Smash Mouth on Twitter. I had oral sex with my girlfriend listening to All Star. Then Smash Mouth replies, and it's Steve. He just says, Gave. And then the guy replies, Hell yeah. And then Steve replies, Good dude, with four exclamation points. So he was a big fan of um, making sure things were reciprocal. Anyway, rest in peace to all three of these oh, what a king. icons. Yeah, what a king indeed. And I, I hate to uh, bring this up. Um, 
But one of my death predictions for 2023 was that Bob Barker would pass. I did call this out in the Facebook group while we were off. One of our listeners was pretty quick to point out that I just recycled my death prediction from the prior year. So it's not actually that impressive. And you know what? I agree. I mean, he was 99. I Did you guys see the jokes, too, about he got as close as he could to yeah. 100? <laughs> I did. He was a comedian. He would have appreciated that, I bet. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you say that because I was thinking a little bit earlier when you were talking about all the Bob Barker talk that we have been having lately. I was going to be like, Andrew, do you think you low-key manifested it? Like, you've been talking about him so much that the Grim Reaper was like, oh, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. guy. Oh, right. I have to fulfill that <laughs> prophecy that Andrew dropped before the year is out. No, but rest in peace, Bob. Oh, so now you're in tight with the Grim Reaper. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> Just thinking about all the old people I love now, like, don't make unnecessary journeys. Well, right? this means I have to come up with a new prediction for 2024. <laughs> so I'll start thinking on it. Because I got, I got to get two in a. This sounds so bad. Got a few, got a few more months until the end of the year. Yeah. So right, right. Well, since we just came off of a holiday weekend here in the states, Labor Day weekend, I thought it would be um, well timed to discuss this. So the New York Police Department announced that it would start using surveillance drones to monitor large outdoor events. Not only over Labor Day weekend, but over a couple of other major events. This move was actually announced during a security briefing focused on Gilbert. <laughs> and I over enunciated that because Chloe taught me how to say it. So it sounded <laughs> ridiculous, um, which is an annual Caribbean festival marking the end of slavery that brings thousands of revelers and a heavy police presence to the streets of Brooklyn. Uh, feels targeted, first of all, that this move was announced specifically in the security briefing going into a celebration of the end of slavery by an overwhelmingly uh, an overwhelming population of people of color <laughs> that the police are like, time for the surveillance drones. <laughs> Yeah. Bring in the drones. That tracks. That tracks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, something that I learned from this is that New York City is not the only one. So New York, like a number of cities, are increasingly relying on drones for policing purposes. Um, there's actually some data that AP pulled in reporting on this that showed that New York City has actually used surveillance drones for um, safety or emergency purposes 124 times in 2023. That's up from just four times in all of 2022. So this has ramped up exponentially in the last year. This is, uh, I know this is not the same, but it's interesting to me because whenever I'm driving on the highway, you know, all of the speed limit signs say enforced by radar or more, most of them do and now i'm thinking like this is probably how they're gonna do it from now on right they're probably gonna have like a radar strapped to a drone yeah right and like possibly this is gonna affect more than just um you know surveilling um civilians in the context of which the story is based so 
I think that's the concern. Um, you know, civil liberties and privacy groups have definitely spoken out against this because there are some concerns about the legality of it, right? Like, is I, and I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but um, the police can't just come knock on your door and say, let us come inside and see if you're doing anything wrong. They have to have probable cause. Right. And the inclusion of a security drone that can just be sent somewhere to monitor a large outdoor event makes me wonder, well, if you see somebody there doing something wrong, is that person then going to be arrested? Are you then going to send cops to the scene where it's like, the, the reality is you would presumably be sending those drones to check to make sure that there isn't any violence happening or that people aren't violating a permit order or that people aren't violating like noise ordinances and stuff. But where is that line? Yeah. Is the right, question. Like, are they just going to show up with a warrant in hand, right? Right. Because that, that takes time to process. But if they show up with a warrant instead of like... I don't know. It, it is tricky. If they can't cross the threshold into your home, you would think that carries over to like the backyard, too. So let's say they are having a party in the backyard. They, you know, the homeowner is having a party in the backyard. The police send the drone over. I know there's major trust issues with the police, too, employing sneaky tactics to get the answers that they're looking for. I could totally foresee a scenario where police are flying drones over somebody's house to see what's going on back there when they shouldn't be not identifying the drone as a police drone and just kind of basically sneaking up on people and getting their sneaky shots. Uh, As a drone owner, I feel like I can speak a little authoritatively on this. You can basically fly wherever you want. There are no drone zones, but like they're normally just near the airport or like major city skylines or military bases or like ballparks, like public venues. But in neighborhoods, it's pretty much freewheeling and it it makes people uncomfortable. I see I see comments in the Facebook group, in the local Facebook group here from time to time, like, I'm not a fan of these drones. Well, guess what, bitch? It's legal. And I'm sorry, but somebody might be spying (laughs) on you. So don't go yeah. Don't go skinny dipping. To that <laughs> to that point, you know, I, I know we've talked a lot about PG&E, which is my energy company. PG&E is now also using drones to try and look for issues. But also to your point, it makes me a little uneasy to think about how they could just be like peeping in my backyard. Not that like I'm doing anything wrong, but as has been well documented on this show, yeah. I have a neighbor that sunbathes in the nude. What's happening with that footage? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they don't care. <laughs> maybe not. I, maybe but... it's like TSA, right? Like T- like there was that whole kerfuffle about TSA being able to like look at imaging under your clothes. Right. They saw us all naked for a long time until they had to start using those like generic, like cut out doll figurines and put X's on them. Do you think, Laura, that this is kind of like the second coming of the Patriot Act? I know that that was like, like that, that's kind of like the last big surveillance uh, drama that I remember. Yeah. It's funny you say that because there are, um, a lot of allusions drawn to the Patriot Act by critics of this move. 
And I think given the fact that to Andrew's point, there really aren't any set laws around what's legal and illegal to do with a drone kind of leaves all of this open to interpretation. I'm sure that these police departments have a playbook, right, of rules and regulations that they have to follow to some extent. But given the fact that there are, the ACLU says, 1,400 police departments across the United States doing this exact thing, it's really hard to imagine that they are all being consistent with one another and not approaching this with their own interpretations on what is or isn't allowed. Feels like entrapment, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And to that point, um, this was actually one of the police chiefs speaking about this, saying that if somebody calls to complain, okay, so this is your narc neighbor, um, if a caller states that there's a large crowd, a large party in the backyard, we're going to be utilizing our assets to go up, to go check on the party, to make sure if the call is founded or not. So basically- It feels like a gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your neighbor thinks your Labor Day weekend party is too big and too loud. And they call the police to complain. And understandably, the police, they have a recruiting problem right now. I wonder why that is. Um, They're understaffed. They don't have enough bodies to go out and be making all of these house calls. So they are implementing the use of these surveillance drones to help Mm -hmm. them streamline some of these processes. But it makes me wonder if nobody ever stopped along the way to say, hey, did we think about... (laughs) how this might impact people's rights to privacy and i'm sure they didn't yeah well it's it that that is especially interesting too because when you look at um like even the first amendment as it applies to photography and photojournalism obviously like a lot of it is not enforced but technically like if you're on private property you should be pretty safe Right. It's only when you're in a public forum that a lot of these rules hold up in favor of the person that took the footage. Yeah, and I see. It, it would just hold kind up of in seems court. like yeah. there's a there's like a loophole for law enforcement, but that really shouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't really have probable cause before the call comes in. But then like it could just be like a neighbor that's too sensitive. And then what if they stumble upon something else? You know, it's like, it's not to say that, like, if they do stumble upon something else, like that group of people is not breaking the law. But the point is, is that, like, they shouldn't have been there to begin with. Right. Or, like, if if a police officer comes to your house with a warrant for, like, cocaine, they suspect you have cocaine, for example, and they come in and they find that you have something else illegal, that's not what they were there to find. So they can't, that's like not protected under the umbrella of that warrant, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So this feels like, you know, as we were talking about cause for concerns around entrapment, really setting people up for failure. And I, I think it's fair to say that any one of us would be pretty uncomfortable with this. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's tough too, because like you said, there's there's so much distrust around 
the police force in general. And I, I'm I'm guilty of that too. It's like I I at this point I, I would prefer not to call the police. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And not not for like my own safety, but for the safety of other people. Like, um, this is not related to that, but I had a case um not long ago where um there were two black men that like I was like trying to leave to go to the store and these two young black men came and like approached my car and they were asking me for directions and I didn't realize that one of my neighbors was like watching but as soon as they left she came up and she's like do you want to call the police because I've never seen them and I was like no like it was weird because I've never seen them before and and like you can clearly tell that like the highway is not too far from where I live but also I, I would not be comfortable calling the police because that feels like a death sentence, potentially, to those two people who maybe, like, genuinely did not know where the highway was. Yeah. Right. Right. That's the thing you always have to think about. I mean, does this occasion rise to the need of calling the police? And, you know, if you want to think about it from the police point of view, too, they're overworked. They're underpaid. And you know how much time gets wasted for them when people call in these bogus complaints? Like I had, I mean, y'all know, well documented on this show, but I used to have a neighbor who called the police for fucking everything. Like she heard the slightest noise and she would call the police and they would be out here knocking, not just on my door, but all my neighbor's doors. And that was a colossal waste of time for them. And and tech is kind of disrupting the 911 operators mm-hmm. because it's been well reported at this point. Apple Watch now has this feature. I think it was introduced in the last year or two where if it detects you were in a crash, it'll automatically call 911 if you don't tap on the watch. Hey, I'm actually OK. Nothing to worry about. Yeah. So people have been on roller coasters, skiing, and they come to sudden stops and they're fine. But their watch will call 911 because they think <laughs> oh the watch God. thinks there's oh been a crash. Lord. And if you if you're skiing, you're covered in equipment and, and gear like you're not you can't see your watch or hear it. Actually, funnily enough, when I was at Disneyland a year or two ago, I'm on Space Mountain. And uh, Laura, you've probably been on Space Mountain. Pam, probably oh, a yeah. little more. It's tight with the, the belt, the seat restraint coming down on you. Well, for the first time in my life. I accidentally triggered a 911 call with my phone because I guess I was pressed up against the button. And so I get off the ride. It's, you know, it's in like 911 emergency mode. There's a voicemail from 911 or like 911's on the phone. Oh, Lord. And my mom texts me, are you okay? Because my phone called my mom to let her know I'm dead, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) It automatically sent her my location. It's nice to know it works. But that was another, and this is this this type of thing happens all the time, and these operators are overwhelmed. Yeah. Well, to that point, I mean, like I, I accidentally triggered the SOS countdown today. That thing, yeah, SOS. That that happens all the time, and it's one of those things where it's like I don't want to turn this off because right. one day I might need it. I hope I don't, but one day I might. Mm-hmm. And but but at the same time, I I it it, it is like the highest source of anxiety for me because I don't I want to make sure that I catch it to cancel it before it happens. Right. And and Space Mountain was a perfect example of I'm not catching that. It's loud. Of course, because you're having fun. You're being you're thrown in the all over and... the place. Yeah. There's like right. you can't hear what's happening with your phone in that moment. And the 911 <laughs> operator just hears people like ah! 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That was being on. Nine one one operator probably thought I was like in the middle of a mass shooting or something, or the way people were screaming on that thing. You hear the blaring space oh mountain my music. God. My poor mom thinks I'm dead because <laughs> iPhone's like, here's oh, where Andrew no. is. He just called nine one one. Sorry. <laughs> And she sees From that you're Disneyland, on Space Mountain. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> he fell off the roller coaster. The map has a preview. So it's like Andrew's at the happiest place on Earth dying right now. <laughs> well, no, you wouldn't be because, as you know, no one ever dies at Disney. It's true. They don't pronounce you dead until after your body is out of the park. That's true. That's a fact. They would wheel your stretcher over property lines and be like, oh, calling time. Of death. <laughs> Activate right. SOS mode again. Let's fake this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's it it's so fun but i i mean none of that is fun but you know what i mean the conversation but we like dark it humor. really we do here at the show um but it does highlight another really important part of this conversation which is that law enforcement and emergency support personnel are already super overwhelmed and it makes me wonder if this movement towards surveillance drones is going to unintentionally make it worse. Because yeah. if people know that it's easier to get the cops to respond to a complaint call because the cops have surveillance drones, whose job is it going to be to monitor all of that? Well, so do we know, is it is it truly going to be easier? Because somebody's going to have to operate that drone. I think right. you could assume that the drone might be able to fly itself, but... I would think somebody has to be at the controls of that thing. Yeah, and, then, and reviewing the footage real time. Right. All the time. Mm. So it's not going to make it easier for the cops. No. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just seems them... like there's more room for error, right? Yeah. To make a wrong call. Mm -hmm. Right. The only thing that I can think of is it gives the cops the ability to like screen a complaint without actually going out and addressing the issue. But yeah. you're depending on so many variables going right if that is the presumed use of this technology. You're counting on like everyone everywhere who's a police officer who has access to this technology having that same approach of saying, oh, I don't see anything wrong here. Let's keep going. <laughs> It's also kind of silly because the initial screen should be the call, right? Right. The call of whoever, um, like pointed out the like or whoever complained. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and then like a human should step in to assess whether or not that call was valid. It also could cause an unnecessary ruckus at this gathering or whatever because if people start seeing a drone flying above them hovering for several minutes that might send people into a bit of a panic and then they're going to call yeah. the cops about the drone yeah. i don't know though it, it depends on how drunk they are honestly like yeah. it, people might just not realize that it's a police drone well that no but that's my point like what the oh, hell okay, is this random it. thing flying in the sky above me is, yeah. is some neighbor trying to spy on us like whose drone is this imagine like somebody shooting that down too that that's a fair point Oh, that shit and then, will like, happen here for sure. I, yeah. Honestly, who who cares if they shoot it down? Like, honestly, I would just be impressed if they no, managed to like, shoot it. But if it's government property, oh, like, yeah. how are they? First of all, how are they supposed to know? But then, like, that could land them in heaps more trouble. Even though, clearly, like, 
I heard about this story like just before Laura mentioned it, but I'm sure that this is not common knowledge. And I also am sure that the police department probably prefers it that way. Yeah. So it's sneaky, right? It is. And I I feel like there is, I'm not going to sit here and say there's no use case for police departments using surveillance drones. I think in, I think that some very limited contexts need to be defined, though. Like, for example, public place, like a concert or a festival. Yeah, I think that's a good use of those kinds of things. You already have mm-hmm. surveillance cameras in those places anyway. They're just static, right? They don't move. But I could see how having a drone overseeing a festival could be really helpful. But to hang out over people's backyards is ridiculous. And I think currently it's assumed that if you see a drone in the sky, chances are it's some sort of recreational drone. I see them quite yeah. a bit. And That's I would never I assume, assume it's all the, time. the police. Yeah, because what do police do to get an aerial view? A helicopter. That's just how it yeah. is. The other thing is, too, is like, you know, body cams conveniently malfunction all the time. Right. I'm sure the drone cams will never malfunction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for y'all, but this is a wrong answers only question, meaning... I'm asking the question, we're not going to give the obvious answers, because I think based on this conversation, we all know how each other feels about this topic. Um, so I want y'all to come up with the most funny, <laughs> awkward, <funny>. sarcastic, <laughs> whatever answers to this question. Do we trust law enforcement departments with surveillance drones? Yes, because as I said earlier... They never do anything without nefarious purposes and intent. So <laughs> I, I think we can definitely trust them to be honest all the time. I actually, you know, I'm not one of these anti-police people, but I do... I don't think any of us are. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I do... Uh, Oh, well, wait, hold on. I need to shift back into the wrong answer only. Yeah. <laughs> I do really trust them. They have made mistakes. But with this, the drone that can fly high and kind of discreetly and easily make an escape. Yeah, I, I trust that for sure. Because I've never done that. I've never spied on people with my own drone. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely don't. You definitely don't post those on your um your secret. My TikTok? TikTok, yeah. Oh, you mean TikTok.com slash at Andrew in the air. Yeah. If everybody wants to check out my surveillance footage, check it out. It's pretty great. But see, that's all the pretty footage. He also has a secret private TikTok account. That's all the footage he gets from spying on people. No, no. (laughs) Just Pam's neighbor once because I wanted to make sure what she was saying was true. Of course, I I trust law enforcement with this because I'm sure that they've gone through all of the testing procedures to make sure that everything is, you know, by the book and up to par. Right. Like always. I'm just going to say I definitely trust law enforcement departments with surveillance drones because it actually gives me some comfort. It's kind of like having a big brother over my shoulder. You know what I mean? I love that show. Like, oh. Hmm. so sweet it's like having god in the air you know got your six right (laughs) that's the military term right (laughs) got your six got your six got your seven got your noon high noon up in the sky (laughs) 
Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we'll. Uh, I'll go switch my secret TikTok account to private so nobody can find what Laura's talking about, and we'll be right back. <laughs> So this week, I wanted to talk about a concept that I was not familiar with until about a few weeks ago when I saw it popping up more and more on my news feeds. Were you all familiar with the term noise pollution prior to this episode? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I had never heard of it. Really? But for, so for anyone that is like me and had never heard about this, it's basically like any excess unwanted noise that is infiltrating your space. So this can be anything from like traffic noise to construction noise to, you know, anything of the like. Have you heard of the phrase light pollution before? No, I've never heard of that either. What? Yeah. Okay. So light pollution is basically the same thing where there's so much light in a certain area, let's say in a city, that Mm -hmm. it's taking out the night sky you can see less stars right so people well i've heard of ambient light which is like i think the scientific term for that but i've never heard of light pollution yeah yeah and some towns are actually trying to fight against light pollution Mm -hmm. like if you go to the Mm. town where zion national park is springdale they have very very low lighting in the area at night it's actually kind of you need like your iphone to guide you on the city sidewalks at night because it's so low but it's good because they're trying to protect the night sky near a gorgeous national park well to that point i think a lot of cities now are looking at combating noise pollution especially because of the new research that has been conducted out of the University of michigan so this new research shows that um potentially is one in Potentially as many as one in three Americans are exposed to a level of sound that might be harmful to their health. So um, one of the things that I found interesting about this research study in general was that it involved the analyzation of 130,000 participants um, noise detection feature on their Apple watches. I don't have an Apple watch, but I know that both of you do. So you could probably look Mm -hmm. at, you know, like the noise detection on your watch is to see how many times you're exposed to, you know, a, a noise that's louder than what the human ear is capable of handling. Have you, Laura, gotten that alert before? Because oh, oh yeah. Do you? I've only gotten it in strange places. Like I'm drying my hands under a hair dryer, and the watch is like, oh no, stop that! Bad for really? your ears. Yeah, where have you I've gotten definitely it? gotten it at concerts, okay. and I've also gotten it when I'm driving in my car and my music is really loud. Laura, okay, that I must know. be. I need to try to do that. See what happens. Listen, I love jamming out and having my own personal concert in the car, okay? I feel that. Ears be damned. (laughs) I I feel that because I've been looking at the health app recently just to, like, gauge whether or not I've made strides and, you know, advancing the number of steps that I take. And one of the things that it does analyze is how loud I listen to music on my headphones and also in my car. And I know that that's louder technically than what, you know, you should be listening to music at for, you know, it to be a a healthy interval. So all of that definitely plays a factor into this as well. So um, one of the other things that this research found was 
this is probably not surprising to anyone on this panel, but Black and Hispanic participants tended to have higher noise exposure than participants in other ethnic groups. And that's also just because they tend to live lower on the poverty line than other ethnic groups. So oftentimes when you're looking for housing, the cheaper alternative is nearer, nearer places that have higher noise levels. And so that's why those groups are uh, disproportionately more affected when it comes mm-hmm. to noise pollution. Yeah. Makes sense. So um, in terms of the medical research that's involved with this, the reason why we should all be a little bit concerned is because there's actually a direct correlation between prolonged exposure to high noise pollution and the increase in the risk of cardiovascular disease. I think that a lot of times when we think about, you know, um, high noise levels, we're thinking about our hearing. But uh, this affects much more than, you know, basically like what our ears could handle. So in addition to increasing your risk of cardiovascular disease, it could also increase your risk of higher stress levels, which, you know, also feeds into that as well. This is something that I was kind of surprised by because I've always kind of lived in, if not in a city, in a suburb that's close enough to a city that it, it kind of gets like a higher noise level. And the high noise level is actually something that is comforting to me as somebody that's like only known that life. And I wanted to know if like that resonated with both of you or if you're kind of used to a a quieter home setting. Yeah, it's interesting because I've I lived in Chicago. I lived in L.A. I live in Vegas currently. I guess I've kind of gotten used to it, though now I am kind of on the edge of town in Vegas. So I'm not getting the same noise I would have in a densely populated area like I was in uh, Chicago. I am aware of the noise levels in the area because this is also a growing area that I'm in. One of the reasons I did like moving out here was because it was quieter. I want to sit outside in the mornings and read a book. And like, I don't mind some noise. I don't expect to, to... for my backyard to be as quiet as like a forest would be but i would like some peace so i am trying to like stay aware of that right now especially being in a Mm -hmm. growing area that's fair have you found that there's like too much construction for you as a result of that there is construction noises yeah but that's something i'm not really fussed about because that's not forever like once Mm. they're built out enough uh, far enough away from me i'm not going to be hearing that stuff anymore so that's a plus. I think for me, I can kind of do both um, situations you were talking about, Pam. I can do silence and I can do more of the hustle and bustle of, you know, outdoor noise because I've I've lived in both scenarios. So I think I just got used to them both. Where I am now, we get a mixture of both too. Like in general, it tends to be pretty quiet where we are. But I mean, we're still in the Atlanta perimeter, so we definitely do still get city noises. And one of the most common ones is sirens. But I think I kind of tuned them out. We had friends over this weekend and they were like, did you guys hear those sirens going off last night? And I was like, nope, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear a damn thing. (laughs) Yeah, when you get used to them, it doesn't even really register with you anymore. I think that's where I am to, to some extent with just like the general ambient noise that I'm hearing around town. 
Yeah, it's so interesting that you both say that because I'm the same way. And when I was researching for this segment, I saw this segment pop up on NPR and they were basically saying that part of the problem is complacency because regardless of where you live in America, America is getting louder by default. And so we might not realize the toll that higher noise levels are taking on our daily lives as a result of that. Yeah. So it's definitely something that I've I've been thinking about for sure. Um, funnily, like I live in a very quiet area now. This is probably like the quietest area I've ever lived in. I always joke that like, I moved to the country because it's <laughs> it's so quiet. I actually had trouble falling asleep without like the excess ambient noise oh. for a long time when I moved here. And that's that's part of the reason why I sleep with like some kind of sound yeah. in my room now. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, I think going home uh I I realize that too. Like my parents' neighborhood, it's a retirement neighborhood it's so it's super so quiet, quiet. <laughs> so i need that fan to create some background noise some white noise for me uh but i like that in general because white noise is also great for tuning out sounds happening outside like actually the first yearish after mm. we had moved here there was some drag racing going on kind of near us at night it was so annoying and it was basically around 9 nine thirty every night or 10 o'clock and uh, yeah, I go to bed around that time and I don't want to be hearing that every night. So the box fan was very helpful on h- helping uh, get rid of that. And uh, luckily, I guess the police put a stop to that. So um, that worked out. But hmm. I actually c- kind of want to eventually move to like some somewhere very quiet because I don't really mind it now. But I would just like to be I want to be off in the woods somewhere. Or like I've mentioned Palm Springs before. That's a small town vibe. It it would be quiet around there for sure. Other than the sounds of gay men fucking. Because that's basically. (laughs) But that's not a bad sound to hear, right? So you want it to be loud enough that you don't hear that. (laughs) I mean, we could start a commune out there. I uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Even with the sounds of the gay men fucking. That's fine. (laughs) Well, to that point, we've all moved around in our lives a few times. Has the noise level ever been a factor in decision making for where to move next? I've actually never thought of it that way, (laughs) if I'm being honest. I, I haven't either, honestly. So I'm with you there. But like when you were buying, because that's like a more permanent decision. Did you think about the, the noise level of your neighborhood? No, and I really should have, to be honest. I mean, it's fine where I am, but I guess I got lucky. Because back when I was buying, that was like 2017, first time home buyer. I'm still in my like mid-20s. I don't really know what I'm doing. So did I do the proper vetting to pick a place? No, <laughs> I definitely yeah, didn't. I think this is a very, very much a live and learn thing. Like, yes. Um, I, I think about an apartment I rented in Valley Village, California. Pam, I don't know if you ever went to that one. It was over Wait, was the that Hollywood by Hills. Studio City? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did go to that one. Yeah. And, and first of all, it was on a main road. So sitting out on the balcony sucked. I could never enjoy it because it was just too noisy all the time. So that was a lesson right there. Don't get an apartment 
or a house on a main road. But lesson number two, I didn't realize this until after I moved in. The quiet neighborhoods behind the apartment off the main street, they didn't have actual sidewalks. And I'm a dog owner. So I'm like, shit, this is something I need to keep an eye out for, too, in the future. Apparently some I mean, this is a big city. I said Valley Village, but it's basically it's North Hollywood. It's a it's a densely populated area. It's very much a city. And for that neighborhood right off the main street to not have sidewalks, I found very bizarre. So I just made a mental note at the time. Mm -hmm. So, again, live and learn. Like you go through certain experiences, test the water. Remember when I opened up the wall in my bathroom because people would run hot water <laughs> below me in Chicago and the pipes would be banging on the wall. I It would literally wake me up at night. Now what do I also do? Run the hot water to make sure that pipe shit isn't <laughs> happening. It's like, you know. It was, hey, it was just preparing you for your future life in Palm Springs where you're going to hear some <laughs> other pipes banging. Good, excellent callback. Five out of five stars. <laughs> Laura's got a future in comedy. Um, oh, really? Man, that, I'm so flattered right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I. but now at this stage of my life, I think I would be more um careful when picking a future home like how quiet is it going to it multiple yeah. times a day to hear the morning noise the afternoon noise the evening noise overnight yeah was that I a factor so when you were moving from chicago to las vegas because it sounds like your neighborhood now is now is much quieter than your chicago neighborhood was it is it is no i think in this case i just got lucky our top okay, priority was finding a home in a reasonable price range that we also liked and the views out our windows mm. are amazing so that was that was a big selling point i didn't care how noisy it Got was it. <laughs> yeah i think some of first time home ownership also gets determined by what's actually in the budget i know for me i was barely able to make this place work. I was making like 38K at the time (laughs) that I got this place. So it was like the tip top of what I could afford. And I had to save up a huge down payment to be able to do it because of my student loans, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, I think. Mm. Um, But a lot of times when you're buying a first home, you're kind of priced into... (laughs) Or like price down into what you can afford. So you have to yeah. make a lot of concessions. And you just feel lucky to and, get the house. Yeah, it's like, exactly. I don't care about the issues you should, but it's like, I want it so bad. And I know. That's the case for so many people, even if they're renting to, to the point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, wrapping things up and kind of looking towards the future, is hearing loss something that we have or do worry about? as a result of getting older, because in full transparency, it's definitely not anything that I've ever thought about. I think I, I mostly worry about vision loss, even though I don't have to vision loss losses very often. Yeah. So. I do think about it a little bit. One of my uncles is hard of hearing and my dad believes it's because how, how loud he would blast his music when he was younger. Chloe says she has a hard time hearing out of one ear and she says it's because of all the music she's blasted in her headphones. I'm like, girl, you're like 24. And if you can't hear out of one ear already, you're going to be deaf in that ear before long. So I try to be aware of not blasting my music too loud. Um, Pam, I, 
I had never looked at this headphone audio level thing in the health app on the iPhone. And uh, I'm looking at... <laughs> it's going to be your new obsession because it's my new yeah. obsession. It's so I'm interesting. So sorry. <laughs> it makes perfect sense that they would add this because, of course, the phone knows how loud your music is at any time. So my exposure, mm-hmm. it says it's been okay between over the last six months. So I'm happy about that. And I think I, I partly credit the fact that I, I don't... I am careful not to blast the music in my ears. I'm checking mine out right now. Uh, mine also says I've been okay, okay, <laughs> over the last six months. Yeah, but there are definitely a few spikes in here where I got up to like over a hundred decibels. Okay, few times. See, my chart does not show that at all. I, it looks like I never crack a hundred. I don't. I don't know how I like coincidental accidentally did that. Like. I'm never like, oh, it's too loud, or it's oh, oh, it's Mine over hundred. Always loud, and that's that's probably something that I should work on. Um, I just like loud music. I just like being just completely like engulfed by the sound. I will say, for me, I don't worry about hearing loss, but I do have tinnitus. Do either of you get that sometimes? Mm-mm. Like the random like ringing? Yes. I do. I yeah. I definitely get that. Sometimes. I get that too. not often. The it's usually like late at night when I can't sleep. Yeah. Well, and that you have nothing mm. else to focus on, so you hear it. Right. Yeah. That happens to me too. And I sometimes I wonder. I'm like, is this my fault? <laughs> Did I do I, this to myself? I feel like <laughs> this is a result of all of the punk rock concerts I went to. Yeah. In my teens and twenties. Fair. Where I should have been wearing earplugs, apparently. Yeah. But it's not punk rock to wear earplugs. So. It's not. So lame. So lame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're actually going to continue the discussion about home ownership in a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So I wanted to talk about home mortgage interest rates because they are high, higher than they've been in the last few years. And I wanted to discuss when people should buy in case any of our listeners are looking to purchase a home. And the TLDR here is, well, no one really knows. It's all kind of a risk, isn't it? The interest mm-hmm. rates on 30-year fixed mortgages in America as of this week are floating a little over 7%. Like I said, these are the highest mortgage interest rates in a while. The thing is, these rates are a far cry from just three years ago when interest rates hit a low of the mid to high 2%. I'm actually one of those lucky people who got a very low interest rate during the pandemic. And recently, the New York Times did a piece called feeling mortgage rate envy? You're not alone. And the article said that with interest rates climbing, a new form of one-upmanship is making the rounds, the mortgage rate humble brag. And I actually can relate to this. (laughs) (laughs) This is why you wanted to talk about this today. Uh, It did did make me feel good about myself. (laughs) It's true. No, but I actually kind of have a little story. I just wanted to read a couple of paragraphs at the beginning, though, because it's well written. At a rooftop party on a steamy July night in Philadelphia, the margarita machine was churning, the seafood boil was hearty, and the conversation turned to the defaults of the upwardly mobile, real estate. Almost anyone shopping for a home in the 2020s knows the script by now. Someone mentions their recent home purchase, a tale undoubtedly rich with drama, stress, and suspense. Guess... Well-schooled in the volatility of the housing market, lean in for the follow-up. When did you buy? 
The response to that key question is normally followed by an ooh, said Evan Barker, 36, a lawyer who attended the party and has participated in enough of these exchanges to know that the ooh means one of two things. You either got the interest rate of a lifetime or you squarely did not. (laughs) So I mentioned I'm making new friends out here. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that. And uh, I was talking with a couple of people who are interested in buying a home. And I told them my interest rate and they did that. Oh, but it was like a painful. Ooh, like, oh, I'm so jealous. So I thought, Laura, maybe we could throw our own little party right here as uh, two homeowners ourselves. Now, Laura, when did you buy? Okay. When, when did you Two, buy? 2017. OK. OK. So there's going to be a difference here. I don't know Laura's yes. rate. So we're at the party next to the margarita machine. We got the music playing. Oh, are we about to film a porn? <laughs> hey, this is sexyloop.mp3 that I've had in my computer. Just, I don't know why I have it, but I do. All right, so we're sipping the Margs on a steamy night in Philadelphia. Oh, yes, I've got a, I've had my home for three years now. Laura, what was your interest rate in 2017? <sighs> well, I'm really interested to see if yours... <laughs> see if yours is smaller than mine Ooh. um mine is four percent oh baby yeah <laughs> i do have a smaller one you want to guess my size two point seven percent i'm a little longer than that baby give me some credit <laughs> uh yeah two point seven five percent was mine oh hey yeah you, so you good. were very Congrats. close. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it was all luck. This was July 2020. It was a big reason why I wanted to buy when we did. My dad really tried to talk me out of buying the house. One, because he doesn't want to come out here. Um, <laughs> but two, he thought the world was ending. You know, it was early on in the pandemic to his credit. But he was like, oh, I mentioned 15 minutes ago, this area's blowing up in terms of home development he's like oh some of those houses are going to be half built they're never going to be finished home prices are going to crash you might be buying at the peak of course that none of that ended up happening Um, my house has gained value over the last three years and i'm very excited about that but um yeah it's the thing is like once you get an interest rate like this it's like fuck i can't move anytime soon that'd be insane Uh, yeah (laughs) No, I, I mm. get that. And honestly, I feel that even at mine. Well, compared yeah. Compared to what the national averages are. I mean, just to illustrate for people the difference, you might be thinking, oh, what's the, like, it's a few percentage points from 2% to 7%. But that translates into mortgage payments that are hundreds of dollars more every month. Yes. It, the, the interest being where it is will price you out of homes that you would otherwise qualify for if interest rates were lower. That's why this is a problem. And to give mm. everybody a example of the difference, I'm looking at Redfin right now, a house in Vegas for, I just picked a random one, $430,000. That's what it's listed for. So I can go to the payment calculator right on the listing page, which is really handy. I have my interest rate listed here already in the calculator. So 2.75% with a 20% down payment on a $430,000 home. Monthly payments, $1,666. 
Hail Satan. <laughs> now, if I go to 7%, that's a huge difference. This shit is now $2,500 a month. So over $1,000 more. $900. $900 difference. $900 more. Yeah. Woof. Woof. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. I had friends who bought a place like you, Andrew, during the pandemic, got locked in with that super low interest rate, and then had other friends who were buying a home just this year in a similar area. And their homes are similarly valued. They're similar vintages. The cost of the homes was not dissimilar. It was a little more expensive to get, you know, their home this year. But the interest rates resulted in these other friends paying hundreds of dollars more every month. I think it ended up being 600 more a month than what my other friends who bought during the pandemic are paying. Yeah. This also affects how many homes are on the market because people like yep. me, we we love our current interest rate. So we're like, we're not selling anytime soon. And like Laura said, she doesn't want to sell anytime soon because of the interest rate. Now, you always could refinance later, but let's say you get a 7% interest rate now. Interest rates could go up. Hopefully they go down, but they could continue going up. That's the thing. And I mean, none of us are financial experts, but I feel like I hear kind of everywhere when this conversation comes up that interest rates are never going to go down as low as they were again. And yeah. like, I, we can even look at when our parents bought their first homes because I was shocked yeah. at the interest rate my parents had on their first home. It was, I want to say it was like 10%. And that was normal. For the time in the 80s. In 1981, the average rate was 16.63%. That was one of the peaks over the last like 30 or so years. Of course, homes were a lot cheaper too, you know, and it's a different world. Mm -hmm. But yeah, now wages have been stagnant. Home prices have risen. And now the interest rate's going up. It's like a terrible combination of factors. And it's horrible for people who would like to break out of renting because it's it's obviously understandable why you'd want to do that. That's why I went the route that I went because I was looking at rents in Atlanta and realizing that I could be throwing over a thousand dollars a month away on rent, or I could be paying a mortgage and building my own equity. So that felt uh, a lot more appealing to me. But these interest rates really prevent I think a lot of first-time home buyers from being able to break into the market. It's another thing that's fucking millennials up the ass. We just get it both sides all the time. Well, Laura, since you were talking about how millennials are getting fucked over, I know that something that is huge with millennials is just the burden of student loans. As somebody who has student loans, how does the process affect you as a borrower? Or how did the process affect you as a borrower? Oh, my God. It... <laughs> It was so fucking annoying. So this is back in 2017. Um, I could not qualify for a first-time homeowner's loan, the FHA, FHA loans. The reason for that was my student loan debt. And the way that um, assumed student loan payments were calculated into your mortgage eligibility for FHA loans back then 
was they automatically assumed that your monthly repayment on your student loans was 1% of the loan balance. And it absolutely wasn't because as I said at the time, I was making like 38K and I was on an income-based repayment plan. So I promise you, (laughs) my monthly payments were not 1% of my total loan balance. But at the time, legally, that's how it was considered. So I just had to go the route of getting a conventional loan, which meant that I had to save up for a 10% down payment. Would have been really sweet to get that smaller, I think it's what, 3% for a first-time home buyers. Andrew, you got one of these, didn't you? Uh, no. No. No, you didn't? No. Um, Wait, what? No. no. <laughs> Was it your student loans too, Andrew? It, anyway, it's a it's a really it's a much lower bar for what your down payment has to be with an FHA. And I was Mm. basically ineligible at the time because of my student loans. However, I will say in the last year or so, the Biden administration has rectified this and changed the rule around that 1% assumption for FHA loans. So that is making it more possible for people with student debt to get a first-time homebuyer loan and get that much smaller down payment, which is great. It really sucked for me at the time, (laughs) Um, but I'm glad they fixed it. Yeah. I may not Um, have looked into that too far because I I could afford a 20% down payment on the Chicago place, and I rather would have just done that. Yeah, that's fair. I had to bust my ass. Yeah. No, I I (laughs) get why people do it. It's just I wanted the smaller monthly payment. That's fair. So, Andrew, I also had a question for you. Obviously, anybody who's listened to the show for a while will know that Las Vegas is like your second foray into owning and buying a home. Was there anything that you learned from buying the first time around that you implemented into um, your second buy? Yeah, I guess it might help people out. I did kind of um, touch on a couple of these when we were talking about noise pollution, like I felt like I did a more thorough test of the house. And this was also a new construction house. So there's a lot of room for error. Um, there's a lot of things that could be discovered because they just built the thing. I did run into a couple of issues. Luckily, the home did come with a one-year warranty. So we had plenty of time to discover the issues and then sort it out with the builder. Um, like they rewired the air conditioner backwards. So it was like cooling the wrong room at the, <laughs> it was weird how they could have done that backwards. Um, and there was a couple other odds and ends. But I think my biggest tip for people is really just thoroughly think about the neighborhood you're in, the house itself. When we visited this house, we visited multiple times of day. We visited in the morning. We visited in the evening. Um, We may visit it in the afternoon just to get a sense of what the area was like and what the house was like. Would there be any problems later in the day? Is the sun like, I don't know, just horrible on this side of the house during the day or something like that? Um, Yeah, just and, and looking at the neighborhood more again. Noise pollution. I one thing that really turned me on about this particular area is like, yes, there's a lot of construction happening in the area that we're in, and maybe a lot of people will run into this actually because there's tons of new home developments. But I was like, okay, that view out these windows, that's a what I would call a forever view. Like I know that view is never going to be interrupted by construction because you know the mountains high up or something like that. That view, that's another forever view because I know that 
nothing will ever obstruct that particular area. So just really, really, there's no such thing as overthinking, I think, when you buy a house. Yeah. So just let your mind wander, be stressed about it, because then you can ask questions to your realtor who can then pass it on to the seller. Like, oh, we noticed this construction area right in my backyard, basically. What's going to be built there? So you know what's going to be coming up in the future. How about in terms of like interest rates in general? Because I think that that's probably something that first time home buyers are going to be looking into. Like, do you have any advice for them on that front? Uh, I mean, I guess not, not really. Okay. Like, that's fair. I don't think I mean, go ahead, Lauren. having good credit is yeah. important. I yeah. mean, even though interest rates are shitty right now, you're going to get a better rate if your credit is in a good place. Yeah. And I would also say be prepared for the lender to basically rip apart your soul. They oh will God. want yeah. every bill. They'll look at every single thing. Yes. And they, you know, they're no bullshit because they want to get the job done. They got a lot of jobs to get through. So I get that. But my mm-hmm. God, I felt like I was laid bare. You know, take me as I am. Take it or, take it or leave it, baby. Like yeah. they just, it really, it felt kind of invasive. <laughs> I was like. Right. Just, just well, because you're me. also reduced to just numbers and figures, right? And that yeah. feels like, I don't know, it doesn't feel great. Because I think like as humans, where we feel like we're more than that. But yeah. when it comes to borrowing and lending, we really are just numbers. So yeah. And they'll be like, sucks. what was this charge for? Where did this money come from? Because like for the down payment too, when you're lining up the down payment, they want to know where that down payment came from. Unless you've been like, Unless you have it in like one account, it's just been sitting there doing nothing. If you recently moved that money from somewhere else, like they're going to be asking and they're going to want proof of of what you're saying. I remember actually because being self-employed, it seems a little riskier. It could seem a little riskier. I had to write a couple of letters and sign them myself promising them (laughs) that what I'm saying Mm. about like what I do and my income and all that, that it's true. Because they, their goal is to decrease liability, right? They don't want to be on the hook for the mortgage if you can't pay for it. So you have to really assure them that you got it on lock. And that might mean writing a letter or two to them vowing that <laughs> wherever you said this money came from, for example, that's where it came from. And um, yeah, but that's all, like I said, just about decreasing their liability and feeling better right. about it. I don't know if you had to do this, Andrew, but mine had this special app they used that would allow them to see my bank statement in real time. So they weren't actually in my bank account, but they could see everything I was doing as I was doing it. And it made me so (laughs) self-conscious about using my debit card. Yeah, I started I like started trying to use cash more because I was like, I don't want them tracking. I would have done the same thing. It's like, (laughs) man, like, should I buy this cup of coffee with my debit card or should I just pay for it in cash? Yeah, it's similar to how like if you sign up for Mint or you connect, you connect any sort of platform to your bank account, it can pull all that data because you're giving it permission to do so. And it can be handy. But yeah, I think they did that for me too, Laura. And you know what also cracked me up about it? You know, they're tearing you apart. Explain this. Explain that. Blah, 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 blah. 
And once it closes, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. They like, don't give a no. damn. Spend now you want. See what I care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they they just care so much. And then it closes and it's like, fuck you. Good luck, bitch. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's another that's another reason I don't want to move anytime soon. I can't bear going through all that again. <laughs> I'm still recovering. The scrutiny. <laughs> the scrutiny. It's rough. It's rough. Obviously worth it. But, you know, and actually one final thing I'll say, looking people looking for tips. Honestly, we're kind of painting a grim picture here, but enjoy the experience. It's really mm-hmm. amazing that you are trying to purchase a home and it can be stressful, but for first time home buyers, you know, you're going to look back on these memories finally, assuming it, it closes and, um, you know, you're able to get that mortgage. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's a yeah. special experience. It's one of the bedrocks of the American economy and the American dream. Having a home locked into this 30 year mortgage, your rents, your mortgage, it's not going up. That's it. What you're paying now is what you're going to pay in 29, 30 years. It's comforting. Yeah. And I'll say too, the first home you buy, it's not going to be your dream home, probably. Um, But you're going to make some really happy memories in that home. You will look back on it fondly. Like even when I first got into this place before we did some work on it, I remember thinking like, oh, God, this place is going to need a lot of work. And now I look back at that and I don't feel that way about it. I don't feel that sense of like drudgery yeah, or resignation. I just look back and I remember how fun it was to be making this place mine. I agree with that. And the dream home thing, you know, it's not going to be your dream home. It's a stepping stone in time. Yeah. I guess my closing point would just be to circle back to the top of this. It's risky, you know, at any time to purchase a home, there's always going to be some risk with any investment. Yep. And you just you just have to test your luck. I mean, right now, the interest rates do seem particularly high. Hopefully, they come back down, but we don't know when. And when they do, what are home prices going to be looking like then? So if you can afford it, if you can maybe get a cheaper home to account for that higher interest rate, you can always cling on to the hope that you will be able to refinance, and you will. Yeah, it's a risk. That's all I can say. Yeah, and I got so okay. damn lucky in, in July 2020. Because <laughs> remember, when you mm-hmm. refinance, it's not as simple as saying, I declare refinance <laughs> and you get a cheaper interest rate. You're basically paying all your closing costs again. Yeah, right, right. All right. Well, good luck, everybody. And maybe any <laughs> listeners, have you had any home buying experiences? Let us know. We'd love to hear. And maybe we can read your thoughts on a future episode. Feel free to email those thoughts in millennialshow at gmail.com or the contact form on millennialshow.com or drop your thoughts in the Facebook group. We see that a bunch. Facebook.com slash groups slash millennialshow. People will drop a lot of feedback about the show in the Facebook group. And um, we appreciate it. We, we love hearing your feedback, no matter no matter where you drop it. And I get why people use Facebook. It, some, sometimes it's just easiest to jump in that group. All right. Well, um, Pam, do you want to tell everybody what's coming up in After Dark today? Sure. So it's officially September, which is crazy to think about. But in light of it being September, we thought it would be fun to kind of do a little back to school nostalgia. So I came up with a couple of 
different questions for us to tackle um, around the general theme of going back to school and reminiscing on our school time experience. So uh, tune in for that. I'm sure that some of us will have some great stories with regards to our time in grade and elementary and middle school and high school and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. When I was looking through your notes, I was uh, recalling some good memories and some funny memories. Oh, good. That's great. Yeah. Perfect. So that'll be at patreon.com slash millennial this week. You can get all of our bonus audio content through your favorite podcast app, too. There's just a one-time setup period. If you use Apple Podcasts and you prefer to support us through Apple's ecosystem, you can just tap into Millennial in Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show right there, and you get ad-free millennial plus mega millennial all wrapped up in one episode every week we also got whether it's through apple or patreon we've got free trials we've got an annual subscription to help you save a little bit of money as well and then over on patreon we've got the new executive producer tier 20 dollars a month this is the highest level we've ever done but also the most amount of access we've ever done. Two times a month, you can listen live as we're doing our planning meetings. And these are like another episode of Millennial. We're talking like we're on air practically, but we're also planning the show. And it's got that unhinged Friday energy because we're all done with our weeks and (laughs) and want to die. But we enjoy each other's company (laughs) as we contemplate death. Do you guys ever think about dying? (laughs) That's us. That's us. Would make life a lot easier, (laughs) wouldn't it? (laughs) Time for recommendations. What do you have for us, Laura? Actually, I think Pam should go first because mine kind of relates to hers. Uh, I see. I see. Okay. I'll set this up. So I I actually have a recommendation that Laura recommended to me off air. Uh, Cece's Closet is a Black-owned small business, and I wanted to recommend specifically their bonnets for sleeping. I have... um, kind of like wavy curly hair. And I was telling Laura that I felt like I was suffering with a lot of breakage and like my hair was really dry and that I had tried bonnets in the past for sleeping like silk bonnets, but that it just wasn't working out for me. And I always woke up and they were like, on random sides of my bed. And she was like, you need to try Cece's closet because the bonnet has never moved off of my head. And so I ordered one from them about a month ago and she was totally right. It's so well made. Um, and it just feels really good to support a black owned small business business specifically, because obviously bonnets are, um, something that black women have been wearing for a really long time to protect their hair. And, uh, the, yeah, so like the quality is really great and the pattern is really great. And my hair feels fantastic even a month in. So I'm so glad. Yeah, definitely would recommend investing in one of those if you feel like it would help you out. And it's not just for like textured hair either. Bonnets can help even, you know, straight hair, any kind of hair. Yeah, I have mostly straight. I've got like a couple random waves in there, but for the most part, it's straight. And I wear mine every night keeps my hair from getting frizzy, rubbing against the cotton pillowcase, keeps it nice and shiny. And I feel like I don't I don't end up having to use as much dry shampoo when I'm wearing my bonnet consistently. I don't know why that is, Mm -hmm. but for some reason it feels like my hair gets greasier if I sleep without it. So apparently Laura, I Laura was like, what uh 
what are which one did you pick like which <laughs> style and so i i told her that i i picked out the i think it's pronounced fatma the fatma bonnet it's really cute it's like royal blue with like these orangey um yellow golden tone in it and i guess she has the same one so if you want to <laughs> twin with laura and i you could get that one too and then get we could it. all just be like bonnet buddies <laughs> bonnet buddies i love it and the reason I wanted Pam to go first is because I have another recommendation also from Cece's Closet. Um, they're African exfoliating nets. If you're looking for a more hygienic way to wash in the shower, these are so much better than like washcloths or even those like bath sponges or loofahs or anything you might have been using because all of those things can really harbor bacteria and they don't really do a great job of exfoliating you but this is called an exfoliating net for a reason it is basically a net like net like material but it lets you really like scrub yourself to get really clean and make sure your skin is nice and smooth um i've long had issues with like these little, I don't even know what they're called, but they're like little bumps on my arms. Pam, do you know what those are? I've seen people call them strawberry yeah. skin. Yeah, it's like, what is it? Like, not like keloid, but something, it's something with the starts with a K. And yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I've been using I know exactly it. what you're talking about, though. Has yeah. that been helping? It's been helping so much. Like, I, the tops of my arms are so much smoother now, and I don't have as many mm. problems with that anymore. Um, but these things can also last up to three years because they are very hygienic. So they last a long time. I feel like with other types of bath scrubbers, you're having to, like, toss them and replace them pretty frequently because they get gross. But these last a while. They dry super quick after you're done. So they're not going to like harbor that bacteria or anything. And um, yeah, this has all basically been an ad for Cece's Closet. I, <laughs> I wish they were a sponsor, but we just genuinely no. like them. But, but you well, know what? I think they deserve it because, again, you know, small yeah. business, black owned. It feels really nice to be supporting a business like that. So um, give them all the love if any of what Laura and I said resonates with you and you feel like it would be helpful. Well, I want to piggyback on a Pam wreck as well. And actually, I want to do a kind of re-wreck. So Pam in late July recommended this new I guess you would call it a fantasy novel, Fourth Wing. It's blown up on Book Talk. You see it in bookstores, prominently featured. It's it's doing gangbusters on the bestseller list. I finally felt like it re- reached the threshold for me where like, okay, I need to read this darn thing already. I'm just looking for the next Harry Potter. Does somebody tell me what to <laughs> launch another podcast about? And um, I'm not finished yet. I'm close to halfway through, I would say. And it is really, really good. I think somebody else described it to me when I posted about it on Instagram as fantasy light. And I think that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why I like it, because I never got into Game of Thrones. I think that's too heavy for me. This is just the right amount of fantasy in my mind. It involves dragons. It has some awesome character development, excellent uh, battles going on in different ways. Um, I'm just really into it. And um, Pam, the, the next book's coming out in the fall. Oh, wow. So we can buddy read. You didn't know that? <laughs> Oh, yeah, we should buddy read. Did you not know that? I didn't realize. I For some reason, I thought it was coming out like next year because that feels so soon. 
Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. But, well, I think but that's I one reason. I guess I'm going to have to pre-order it. <laughs> yeah. So the sequel is called Iron Flame. I already pre-ordered because you can receive a stunning limited first print run featuring spray painted edges with gorgeously detailed map and papers. So I was like, all yeah, right, right, I'll get a cool pre-order version of the book. Yeah. And I got it from bookshop.org to help support local. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, great book. I, I look forward to seeing where it goes. Um, kind of unpredictable. There's been some twists and turns I didn't see coming. Yeah, I I I really enjoyed it. I will say, like, I I will amend my initial um, review um, because I, I was telling my friend about this, and they were like dying laughing over this. Um, it's just an FYI to anyone who like doesn't care for this. It does get a little bit smutty towards the end, so there's like quite a few sex scenes if that's not your jam you can like easily gloss over that i did not realize this when i recommended it because i wasn't finished with the book i was about like to the point where andrew was probably and then i finished the book after i recommended it and i was like oh no i probably should have mentioned that in my (laughs) review but i just didn't know so that's something for you to look forward to i guess yeah yeah i i have noted to myself that it is a little horny and I guess it's going to get yeah, hornier. It gets hornier. So. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> we'll have to discuss when you're done because I, yeah. I think that like where it ends is is a fantastic setup for the second book. Cool. Well, I bought the book from a local bookstore and it has like the first chapter or two from the sequel. So it must be, really? you know, obviously a, a very recent edition. Yeah. Um, okay so My i'll be diving that, in so I- i'll read it to that... you if you can't wait please i'll do. read to you the first couple of chapters <laughs> give me a call and please do that <laughs> you'll be like pam the next book's even hornier <laughs> perfect <laughs> make sure you are following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and we would love a review in apple podcasts or spotify you can also follow us on social media. We're Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Threads. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. After Dark, we'll start in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye.